Hello and welcome to this episode of Cargo Facts Connect, the podcast of Cargo Facts, the newsletter of record for the air cargo and freight aircraft industries for over 40 years. I'm your host, Andrew Kreider, Associate Editor of Cargo Facts. And I'm Robert Luke, Associate Editor of Cargo Facts. And I'm Jeff Lee, Editor of Cargo Facts. I want to begin today with major news from FedEx. There's shakeups in their fleet prior to what it is hopefully going to be a very prosperous, busy season. Jeff, you were sitting in on a uh, financial call with FedEx uh, executives yesterday. Tell me about their fleet plans for the upcoming months. The, I mean, the, the major news, of course, is that um, things didn't go as well as FedEx um, had been expecting. And they said that this um, really happened towards the end of the the most recent quarter, so um, the end of August. Now, um, they do this every year, right? They ramp up um, and ramp down depending on market conditions. Um, But basically they said that um, they will be taking um, some immediate measures to try and reduce costs. And of course, a huge part of that is um, all their flight activity. And so they said that they will be parking um, around eight narrow body freighters and as well as, you know, just reducing their flight frequencies um, on all lanes, uh, notably 17% fewer flights um, on the Asia-Europe trade lane uh, and 11% uh, on the Trans-Pacific lane and, and 9% transatlantic. So uh, across the board, it's um, going to be much less activity than before. And, you know, just thinking about the fuel price, uh, you know, that will have a huge um, impact on their their costs. But going back to parking aircraft, they said, they said these would be eight narrow bodies. And, um, you know, in North America, they only have... Um, 757s um, in the narrow body segment, um, excluding, of course, the, the feeders. Um, and they've got a few of those in Canada, uh, but most of these, the vast majority of these are operating in the United States. Um, so we went uh, and looked at this in more detail. And um, I mean, recently they've they've already sent two to Victorville. Um, and so, I mean, I think we'll see more 757s heading to the desert um, in the weeks and months ahead. But um, also, what's also interesting is that they are still bringing back um, some of their older wide bodies um, as we head into this peak. Uh, so, you know, the DC uh, MD-10s uh, and the, the MD-11. Mm-hmm. that they acquired um, in 2020, but they brought it to their MRO facility in LA um, very early this year. But So it took them all this time, and now finally it's uh, flying in uh, commercial service. Robert, what do you um, think of all these movements? I think there's a little bit of uh, momentum slowing down as the market starts to pretty much establish a new equilibrium in the post-pandemic era. Uh, I do believe that, you know, as the peak season starts to arrive, particularly for the uh, Western world as we embark upon holiday season, 
what's existing in operation from a wide body perspective and based on the quarterly reports from FedEx will continue to uh, generate uh, a lot of carry and lift capacity. But I do see that at this point, um, a lot of the narrow body market, as was discussed with FedEx, it's kind of coming to a, a slowdown as more 737-800s are coming into the conversion line. Uh, we kind of discussed this early in the year where even some of our uh, consultants from Cargofax were not seeing a very strong outlook on the 757, even though conversions were still coming on at a rapid pace. Um, you just have to look at the overall overall cost. And right now, the 737-800 for the shorter markets that the 75 might have participated in offers a better fuel rate and uh, efficiency. And then with the new A321 coming on, you know, they offer the same range in carrying capacity and in fact, more volume at a lower operating cost. So um, I don't think it's the end of the 75. There's still a wonderful piece of equipment out there. They have large carrying capacity and they can go the distance, but I do see now that uh, inflation on the rise across uh, the global economy, plus the uh, balancing out of the actual flow of cargo, which is not so uh, focused or centered on aircraft anymore. You're going to see a lot of these uh, aircraft that were kept in service, even though they were pending or scheduled for phasing out, uh, are going to start phasing out. And, and that's the outlook that I see coming over the uh, next couple of months as we progress into the 2023 fiscal year. I want to then pivot away from these older aircraft types that are now going to be um, serving FedEx in these upcoming months. But if you want more information on that story, you can check it out on cargofax.com alongside all of our latest uh, wide body and narrow body news. But moving on from the uh, historical aircraft, I want to talk about future technologies because last week, while we were recording the podcast, there were a number of test flights that are very interesting. A number of aircraft are moving towards certification. So you have players like Undefined Technologies testing their cargo dr- drone. They believe that they've permitted They've proven commercial viability, and that's an interesting platform because it uses ion propulsion, uh, vaporizing the air to produce lift, which is a, a completely new uh, technology that I've, or at least to me, that I've seen on the marketplace. You have Dynan to, to having a test of their cargo drone, and then futuristic aircraft types like uh, the Alice, um, which had performed a high-speed taxi test and anticipating a first flight coming up soon. We'll be monitoring that. But Robert, we've covered drones before, specifically uh, one which received its FAA certification earlier this month. That is correct, Drew. And looking at those aircraft, uh, Matternet and the zip lines, and even with Elroy getting such a strong backing from FedEx, I mean, just those three companies mentioned there. And again, you know, kudos uh, to the other various manufacturers producing the drones. But I mean, that is a sign of the changing times. I do believe uh, as, you know, uh, of course, overhead expense and uh, risk aversion of, of of what they incur from a capital expenditure becomes more uh, primary as always, but even more centered on the movement of air cargo and autonomous vehicles or remote piloted vehicles become more popular as they're you know, no longer just slowly integrated, but actually 
integrated at a regular scheduled pace into the market, uh, you're going to see a lot of these uh, carriers, express integrators, and um, lessors start to take more of a stronger look and interest in acquiring them into their portfolios. And I do believe just from a cost savings perspective, it's monumental when you're looking at what the current uh, mode of transportation is for air cargo. Uh, and the fact that, you know, drones are not just in one specific market. You have, you know, low mile, you have, uh, I'm sorry, you have last mile, and then you have uh, extended range capabilities with drones that are being developed like Nautilus that can compete with some of the existing wide bodies that are moving freight on longer distances. They Jeff, being- I want to loop you in right here because I, I feel like some of our listeners have a, a a warranted skepticism of drones. I think the early on drones were pro- promised to be like a popular mechanics co- cover. We should have seen drones a long time ago, but the majority of projects never actually come to fruition, even when big names invest. And I want to point out as a case study that urban air mobility platform, Katie Hawk, which had a backing behind it, the co-founder of Google, had invested in this company, they shut their doors. And just like the majority of these projects, just turned out to be too difficult to accomplish. But as technologies move forward, we're seeing a different category of performance. Comparing your knowledge of freighter aircraft today and the drones that we've covered so far, do you think that we have commercial viability soon? Well, I mean, some of these companies are already operating commercially um, with their with their various drones, right? And I mean, when you say drones, I mean, I think we should we distinguish between the kind of the smaller drones that Rob was talking about, the last mile drones, um, and then you have the. I mean, I would say the unmanned aircraft is more appropriate for some of these um, vehicles than drones, um, and then you've got yeah, you've got the aircraft that are manned like the alice um beta technology so there are various uh types and they play different roles i think um there are i mean there are obviously many many more of the smaller um, last mile drones um and they they might just i don't know whether that's there are a few too many maybe um but in the larger category with the with the unmanned aircraft, um, I think, I mean, I, I am looking forward to seeing um, these things come into commercial service, even though uh, with the Alice, for example, you know, it might overlap with some of the conventional um, feeder regional freighters, uh, but you know, it's new technology and it's better for the environment. Um, and certainly there are many rural and remote areas that um, you just cannot serve with, uh, you know, conventional aircraft. I will say the Alice is shockingly beautiful, in my personal opinion. Right. Robert, you were saying? It, at the end of the day, what drives businesses? Low cost, high revenue and profitability. So if a drone doesn't require half of the required operational expense support, crew staffing and uh, logistical, um, you know, connectivity to keep it airborne and flowing, then of course, at some point in time, it's going to become an attractive investment. So um, 
specifically for the ones that are that are you know making uh positive progress and already established in the market already have just you know like we like we've mentioned um i believe it's uh with matternet they just recently got their approval so these these drones are making headway to the point where they have to be recognized as a viable option for these uh, express integrators carriers and operators to put into uh serious consideration well that is going to be all the time that we have for today to those of you listening thank you for more multimedia content like this you can search cargo facts connect on itunes and spotify and check out cargofacts.com join us again next time